0: You are listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avrom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I, uh, I rent a car from Ralph, knowing that he's in uh, Las Vegas. So I go ahead and say, "Can I rent your car?" Because we have too many drivers and not enough cars. Timurat Tashlum, and I'm going to pay him for it. Rosh. and I asked Ralph from the outset. Ha'im harechev takin. Uh, is the is the let's say is the car drivable? Is it in a good state? And Ralph says, "Of course. Would you suspect that I'm going to drive, uh, you know, a, a junker? Of course, it's a, uh, Of course, it's a, It's good." And relying on Ralph's assurance that the car is in uh, in good condition, so I go ahead and I drive around. So i on my way to the airport to pick up some people. So I get stopped by a, uh, a police officer uh, for a standard inspection. In Eretz that happens sometimes, that they'll go ahead and they'll just, uh, they'll put up a, like a, a roadblock of sorts. And they make sure that all the cars which go through have uh, all of their proper certification and inspections and all that. And it turns out that Ralph has not had the car inspected. Let's just say for our purposes, it's like an emissions test. So the car hasn't been inspected for emissions in three years. And as a result of that, I, the driver, I get a ticket which costs a thousand shekel. Now you should know that I did not put in this fancy symbol over here of Shekel Chadash. This was something which Microsoft Word went ahead and auto-corrected for me. I actually put in the word Shekel Chadash, and Microsoft Word is sophisticated enough to know exactly what uh, what I meant and made that uh, correction. I wouldn't know how to do that if you paid me. Now, so now what happens? I get a ticket for 1,000 Shekel. So I call up Ralph right away, and I say, Saharti rak call up I agreed to rent your car because you told me that everything was fine. And being that you went ahead and you deceived me, you didn't tell me that the car hadn't been inspected in three years. Therefore I say to Ralph, you have to reimburse me the thousand shekel. Why should I have to pay? It's your car. Your car. And you deceived me into thinking that the car was, uh, was, was in good shape and it's not. So what's Ralph's response going to be? He says, "Listen, you didn't ask me if the car was inspected. You asked me if the car is in good shape. So, as far as safety is concerned, so everything is running. The brakes are good. The oil is good. Everything functionally is okay. And that indeed is the status of the car. The car physically is in perfect condition. city test." I just can't stand the thought of going and getting in line at the emissions place. And now it's not so long anymore. But back in the day when it used to take, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, you'd be waiting there. I don't have that kind of time to sit around in line and, and do nothing. But I responded to you honestly and correctly. As far as the physical condition of the car is concerned, the car is in good shape. And now Ralph goes ahead and gets religious on me and he goes ahead and says, listen, it's your bad luck That you got pulled over by the cops at that time, or you drove in that direction where the cops were stopping everybody to make sure that everything was properly inspected. That's not my fault. That's your bad mausoleum that this happened to you. It never happened to me. I've been driving for three years without inspection, and I never got pulled over. So it's your mausoleum that that happened, and therefore Ralph is refusing to go ahead and pay for for the ticket. So that's the Shiloh. Does Ralph have to go ahead and reimburse me for the ticket, or does he not? You're shaking your head already, Zachy. What's uh? This is, this is a Judge Judy episode. <laughs> She'd be laughing right
1: now and just whatever. And I know everything that common sense does is going to get blown out of the water. Right?
0: What, what, did this actually happen in Judge Judy?
1: Yeah, this happens oh. all the time. I'm a religious Judge Judy person. <laughs> I was going to say I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't put that out in uh, on recording that uh, <laughs> <if> you're watching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I also come on the Tuesday and Thursday nights here. Really, yeah, yeah.
0: So now it's uh, Judge Judy and me. That's the yeah. Okay, so now, so what's what what's going to be? So I don't know what Judge Judy said, but let's go ahead and let's uh, look at this uh, halachically to determine what exactly is going to be the uh, the halacha. So the first thing is these two Sifim, in source two over here. We have two Sifim, and we're doing them actually out of order. We're going to do sif Zion and then sif Vav. So I already have them in the correct order for us. But in Shulchan Aruch, they're actually in the opposite order. But the first thing is, is this is a basic assumption. Uh, Ralph, who's in sales, knows this to be, uh, to be true, or was in sales at some point, knows this to be true. And that is, That when you go into a store, or you engage in a transaction, in a, uh, in a purchase of something, Eina lokeach, eladavar hashala mikomu. The basic right of a, of a customer, of a consumer, is they, the consumer has the right to assume that the object which he is purchasing is not damaged in any way, shape, or form. It's intact. It's not defective. It's not damaged. It's not going to be. There's nothing wrong with it. It is in good shape. So, therefore, seemingly when I went to Ralph and I said to, uh, to Ralph that uh, Hausa is the car in good shape. And he assured me, yes, the car is in good shape. So I have the right to assume that it is shalem, that's the phrase, shalem that it is intact, no defects, no deficiencies, no blemishes, no nothing wrong with it uh, whatsoever. Now, so uh, then the next thing we need to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to debate or to clarify is what's the definition of a mum? What's the definition of a defect or a, a blemish? Um, you know, I find uh, you know a small hairline, uh, you know, scratch or something on the car. So that means that it's a, that it's defective, and that uh, you know, would that actually cancel the sale? If it turns out that there's small a small minor thing which nobody would even notice, uh, uh, which most people would not even notice. So now we go back. This is in Simon Reish based Steve Tivav. So now Shulchan says. So far, we said, uh, Bob, that the assumption of a customer is that when he buys something, he's buying it blemish-free, defect-free, that it's going to be functional and usable. That's the basic assumption of every customer. Now, in c we go ahead, Shochanar goes that it defines for us what is the definition of a blemish, or what's the definition of a, a, of a defect, which is going to be universal, because obviously a certain type of defect which applies by clothing doesn't apply to a car. And a defect which applies to a car doesn't apply to clothing. So what's going to be our functional definition of a defect? So Shulchan takes a very, this would be a very logical, straightforward approach. And that is, anytime most people consider this defect to be to such a degree that you would go ahead and you would return it, machzirin. So that meets the halachic definition of a defect. So in the event that the air conditioning isn't working in a car, so everybody would agree that that's considered to be a pretty major defect. And if you bought a car at a a dealer or you bought it from a private person and it turns out that the air conditioning wasn't functioning, so everybody would go back to the seller and say, hey, you didn't tell me that there was no, uh, the air conditioning wasn't, uh, wasn't functioning. This is a major defect when it gets warm outside. And had I known, I never would have bought it in the first place. I want a refund. I want to return the car. But some sort of, if you're buying a used car, and there's a small hair size scratch somewhere on the, uh, the bumper, which you don't discover until the, uh, you know, a week later or something. So that's something which is pretty minor. And most people would say, listen, when you buy a used car, it's not going to be in perfect condition. Obviously, there's going to be some little dings here and there on it. And that's something which, uh, which is understood, and that's something which is uh, acceptable. So, the definition of a moon, the definition of a blemish or a defect, is based on what most people consider to be a defect, but defective to such a degree that you would actually want to return the object. Sometimes you get to have the defect, which is there, but it's not, uh, it's not significant enough that you would return it. But this is something which would have to be pretty significant. Then, on the flip side, the Choshe alav Allah She'e and in the event that you have something which most people do not consider to be a major defect, that they would return it. Then the halacha is, So then I cannot go back to Ralph and say, hey, I found a hairline uh, scratch on the, uh, the back of the bumper, and I want to return it. If I didn't mention anything explicitly that I wanted to have uh, the body to be perfectly intact, so then absent any sort of stipulation, then if most people don't consider that to be a moom, then it's not a moom. Why? Here's the guiding principle. One second, stam. Because people who engage in commerce without specifying. So people rely on what is common and customary as far as definitions of what's considered to be a defect and what is not. Yeah, Safi. So um, I I
1: think this this last line is actually making my point a little stronger. It's not addressing if it's a correctable mistake. Meaning, like, if there's a crack in the windshield, I don't have to return the car, we can just get the windshield fixed. You know, somebody would not necessarily negate a sale over a crack in a windshield, they would just, you know, want the seller to just, you know, pay the hundred bucks to have somebody come out and fix the windshield.
0: Uh, correct, correct. So that, that's a different SIF. I think that's Sif Dollard or Sif Hay oh, okay. uh, in the same siman. which sometimes if the, uh, the defect is something which is repairable, and it's not a major uh, uh, repair, it's not panim chadashos if you make the repair, but it's just a minor thing, then, uh, then the seller may have the right to, generally would have the right to go ahead and fix the defect and uh, in the sale to, uh, to continue to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an option. Okay, but over here, that's not going to be relevant because over here, the uh, the ticket was already issued.
1: Well, I mean, I could I could make the argument then that the, the car is drivable and that's fine, but if, if, if you get a ticket, it's fixable. Um, by it's, paying it, oh, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. So,
0: oh, right, okay, good. So we'll see. Now, what this tells us, uh, in addition to the definition of a blemish, is that when we say that This last line, which is still highlighted, what that means is is that we're going to interpret words in conversations and statements the way most people would. So when I went to Ralph and I say, is the car drivable? Is the car in good condition? And Ralph said, absolutely, of course the car is in good condition. So if most people understand good condition means not only mechanically it's in good condition, but it has all the necessary licenses. It has a state uh, uh, license. It has the local license. It has all of the inspections in order to avoid all of the, uh, let's say, the uh, the brake lights and the, uh, the other lights are all functioning properly. So if most people assume that when I ask about a, a good functioning car, all of that is included. Ralph can't come along and say, well, you didn't specify that you actually wanted uh, you know, uh, headlights to be functioning. You just wanted to know if the car runs. So of course the car is running, but the headlights and the brake lights, so those went out years ago. Those uh, haven't been, uh, have been working in years. So since most people would say, no, obviously, uh, functioning headlights and brake lights are an essential part of a functioning car, Ralph can't come along later and say, well, what I meant when I said yes, is as far as all of the mechanics are concerned, you didn't ask me about all the electrical, because everybody assumes that the electrical was part of that conversation, and therefore Ralph can't make up his own language to go ahead and deceive me and say technically what I said was true, because that's not the way people interpret words. Okay, now the next thing, and I think we'll we'll read this inside, but in source number three over here, there's a Gemara Bemitzia. So the Gemara Bemitzia establishes the principle. Uh, which has all sorts of uh, interesting applications, but for our purposes right now, what Ralph may try and argue to me is that listen, everything you quoted in see in in source number two from Siman Reish Shama all of that's true. If I sold it to you. If I sold you a car, so then you'd have the right to come back and say, listen, the headlights aren't working, the brake lights aren't working, you didn't tell me about the air conditioning, you didn't tell me about this flaw or that flaw or that defect, so then he would have the right to go, uh, I would have the right to go ahead and complain. But Ralph is going to say, it's not your car, it's my car. You just rented it, you just wanted to be able to, uh, to drive it, so it's none of your business. So therefore, maybe the halachas of Reish Lamed base don't apply, source number two doesn't apply for a rental agreement. Because at the end of the day, it's not my car. But here we have this idea that the the last line over there is that halachically, we consider the rental of an object to be a sale for the day. So if I rent Ralph's car for the day, halachically, it's really a sale of the thing. It's sort of like a matana menasah haksir, or it's a sale on condition that it's going to be returned. But during the time of, during the, the rental period, during the period of the lease, that is, for many halachic purposes, that's considered to be my car, and therefore the halachas of source number two from Reish Shama Beis would apply to a schirus, would apply to a rental agreement, the same as it would apply to the sale of the thing, and Ralph isn't going to be able to uh, get himself out of this at all by claiming that it's not relevant when we are talking about a rental rather than a sale. Okay now that so that, that that's part number 1 so part number 1 is going to say that being that i went ahead and i uh, I, I asked ralph explicitly did you go ahead is the car in the, in working condition is the car in good condition he assured me yes 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 it's in good condition and it turns out that he misled me and he went ahead and the car hadn't been inspected and for that reason i got this $1000 uh, this 1000 shekel uh, uh, ticket, so since he misled me, uh, by, uh, and, and uh, that's what we call garmi, that's what we call indirect damages, and for this type of garmi, for this type of indirect damages, so that is going to be, uh, so Ralph is going to be responsible to pay, okay? So the ticket Ralph has to pay, but, and this is where sometimes our Western culture um, uh, uh, mind goes ahead and gets in the way of halacha. So when it, I, I had a case like this just this, just this week, I'll explain to in a moment what that case is, but I may go ahead and I will say to Ralph, listen, you deceived me. You're a dirty, rotten scoundrel for deceiving me But because you told me that the car is in a good condition. And it hasn't passed an inspection, and therefore it's not in good condition. And it was a big pain for me to go ahead and get pulled over and have to get a ticket. And now I have to go to court and I have to pay it. And uh, all of the, the difficulties, you know what? Not only do I want you to pay the thousand shekel ticket, I'm not paying you what I what I agreed to pay you for the rental. Because... You went ahead and you deceived me. How dare you go ahead and take advantage of me like, uh, like that? I thought that, that we, were, we had a, a good business relationship over here. You deceived me. I'm not paying for the rental either. So the truth is, is that I have no right to say that. Because being that, although it was a major pain, and it was something which I did not anticipate, and Ralph is, in theory, he would be a terrible guy for misleading me uh, like that, but... Nonetheless, uh, as far as the actual rental in the use of his car is concerned for the two, three days that I had use of the car, so I still benefited. So since I did benefit from the uh, the rental agreement, so therefore it is within my, uh, it's within my, um, it's not within, it's my obligation to pay for the rental uh, according to the original terms of the rental. Now, it could be that the thousand shekel that he'll have to pay me Repay me for the, the ticket, so that may be, uh, you know, more than the, uh, the rental was, but, you know, we'll have to figure out all of that mumminess afterwards, but I owe for the rental, and Ralph has to pay me for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, for the ticket, he has to reimburse me for the, uh, the ticket. The case that I had this week, which is a similar type of, uh, you know, Western culture sensibility, somebody told me about the owner of the business, told me that he had a customer, he's, uh, he does roofing and I remember i get the calls from all over the country on the on the hotline so he does roofing and he had a customer who after they did the job so the customer called back and said listen there's nails still on the property uh you didn't do a, a proper cleanup uh you got to take care of it so the guy said no problem i'll send out my crew again they'll go around the property again and they'll pick up all of the uh, the nails and the the customer on, on three different occasions called up every time he found two nails in the middle of the bushes or something, he went ahead and he called the roofer and he said, listen, you didn't do a good cleanup job and therefore you have to go ahead and you, uh, you have to come up. So after sending out the crew three extra times to find, you know, to crawl in the bushes and to try and come up with every nail which may have fallen, so the customer said, and he said that one of the things which he wanted from this roofer he said, "Listen, when we went ahead and um, uh, um, uh, I used you, so your quote was. Um, I think the way it worked was your quote was let's say five hundred dollars more than the cheapo uh, crew, which I could have brought in. You are a uh, you know a, a five star rated better Better Business Bureau uh, you know five star rated uh, roofer." So I used you, even though you cost $500 more than the guy who just does it off the back of his truck. And therefore, since you uh, did not clean up the property properly, I want you not only to, to pay for the cleanup and all that, but I want you to give me $500 difference, which I paid more to you, which I wouldn't have had to pay the other guy for the, uh, the roof, which was done, which is, it's an absurd claim. It's an absurd claim that you should get a refund of that at this point, just because they, didn't get, they weren't able to get all of the nails off of the, off of the property. But that was like the Western sensibility of this fella that, listen, you did something which I'm happy with, and therefore you owe me all sorts of different, uh, different types of things. So that claim, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. The mice when they uh, when it, when it goes to basin, but uh, I advise the person that he shouldn't worry about that uh, that that, uh, that that claim because that claim is uh, you know utterly ridiculous. You still have you still have a new roof, <laughs> you know. You're unhappy about the the nails on the floor, but the bottom line is you do have a a, a new roof, which is uh, no there's no complaints about that.
1: But in theory, so, they could come up with some sort of metrics or whatever for cleanup of of a property, right? I mean.
0: So, so for that, I told him that I don't think he needs to worry about it too much, because anybody who's had a new roof puts on knows that nail it's kit. impossible to get all of those nails.
1: Right, right. Nobody
0: expects that you can actually get all of those nails. The guy told me, he says, you're doing a, a roof, you have thousands of nails which are coming out of that nail gun. You can't keep track of all of them. And then when you're cleaning up the roof, there's also you have to pull out all of those nails when you do the initial cleanup. He says, as much as they put out tarp and they walk around the property with those magnet uh, things, it's just, uh, it, it's impossible to get them all. And nobody really expects that you're going to get it all. Yeah. But this guy has in his mind that uh, if I keep complaining about it, maybe I'll go ahead and I'll uh, get some money back. <laughs> okay. That has to do with what we said before, in terms of industry standard, that industry standard is that if, they, they, that if uh, you know, 98 or 99% of the nails are gone. So uh, there are a few which are there, it's not going to be a problem. Okay. Now, here comes a, a new element to the Shiloh, though. And that is, so he writes as follows. And this is the, uh, the same author, the Mishpate HaTorah. So now this is, he, he theorizes into a new question. And he says, now he wants to know what's going to happen um, in the event that, um, actually, even before that, um, he says, uh, regarding the, uh, the the claim which they could... Uh, they, so it, he, he addresses what would happen in the event that I didn't say anything to Ralph about specifics about the car being in good uh, in good condition. I just said, Ralph, you're going to be in Las Vegas. Can I go ahead and rent your car while uh, while you're gone? And he said, sure, no problem. And I didn't, ask, I didn't even ask him whether the car is in good condition or not. I just went ahead and asked if I could rent the car. So in that case... Excuse me, do I have the right to assume also that all of the inspections were done if you rent it to me or not? So he writes over here the following. He says, Would we say that when I go ahead and I rent the car, as is, that if Ralph says, I'd be more than happy to go ahead and rent to you the car, as soon as he expresses a willingness to do so, do, do I have the right to assume that that means the car is intact? Not only mechanically that it's going to be able to run, but I'm not going to get a ticket because headlights or, or, or taillights or, uh, you know, he didn't do, get inspection or renew his stickers. And therefore, since I have the right to assume that even without asking specifically whether it's in good condition, I still have the right to assume that. And therefore, if I am getting a ticket because something's wrong with the car, the headlights, the taillights, or the licensing or anything, so he's going to have to pay, oh, ramos, or perhaps we'll say, Ralph is going to say, you know what, I'm indeed a dirty round scoundrel. If you look at my business card, it says, Ralph, in quotation marks, dirty round scoundrel, end quotes, silver. And therefore, that's that's part of who I am. This gets back to your Rama. I think it's funny. That's why you you mentioned it about. Uh, so it says, Ramos Hamaskir Omer." In other words, Ralph is going to say, You never asked me, and I never assured you that everything is intact in the car. And therefore, I never told you to rely on my word. If I gave you my word, so then I understand I gave you my word, and you have the right to rely on my word, but you never asked, and if you never asked me that question, I never assured you of anything. I just told you i 'd be willing to rent you my car for this amount of money for uh, per day Kolomer, in other words, Ralph says, yeah, hes to theamos. I rented you a, a car which is not in good condition. No no das it should say, and because of that, I went ahead. And I violated the issue of Gineva's das, I deceived you, U Mamun Mamushius, and it may even be that I overcharge you for the rental fee. So Rav says, "I'll accept all of that. I'll take responsibility for all of that, that I, that I did not behave properly. "Come yom Kippur, I'll ask you for forgiveness, I'll clap a couple of al, al- and I'll take, of, I'll, I'll take care of all of that. But Kihasso,vashiet, uh, Kaven, the because the customer, the, the renter, certainly had in mind that he's renting a car which is in good condition. And Ralph says, so I need yeah, uh, you're right. I, I deceived him. I fooled him. I did not behave properly. I did not behave with Derek Herz. OK, it's all fine. But just because I behaved improperly, but the bottom line is now, after all of that, uh, you know, all of that chuva and all that other stuff, Ralph says, the bottom line is that being that I never assured you that the car was intact and in good condition, therefore, therefore, I should not be responsible for that thousand shekel ticket which you got because you never asked me if the car is in good condition and I never told you that it was. So being that you never asked, and I never told you that it was, why should I have to go ahead and pay for, that, uh, for, for the ticket? You, you, uh, you, you took it at your own risk. And if you took it at your own risk, so, uh, so that's a, it's the same thing as parking at a, at, a, at a parking meter and not paying the meter. You know that you're taking a risk if you go ahead and you, uh, you do something. So if you don't ask, so uh, you, you won't have that information. And you, you just didn't bother to ask, but why is that my responsibility? So the author of the Sefer says he's not 100% sure what the halacha would be in that case. Whether or not Ralph's claim that, listen, you didn't ask, and therefore I wasn't responsible to tell, and uh, I don't have to pay for the ticket, can he go ahead and get away with that? Or are we going to say that... Uh, Being that more similar to what we were talking about in source number two, that being that most people, when they rent a car, they expect that it's going to be mechanically functioning, electrically it's going to be functioning, and it has a proper state and city stickers, as well as if any inspections need to be done for which you could get a ticket, like emissions or whatever's going on over there. So therefore I had the right to go ahead and assume that even without asking, and therefore Ralph would be responsible. So as I said, the author, the Mishpat Torah, is not 100% certain about that, but he said that his inclination is to say the first way that Ralph would be responsible even in that case. Okay, but that's something that we may be able to argue about in a Din Torah. Now with source number five, this is where the author of the Mishpat Torah, this is where he begins to speculate a step further. And that is, let's say Uh, and whatever creative scenario you would like to come up with uh, when this would occur. But let's say that when I got pulled over, because Ralph's car didn't have the proper licensing or the proper inspections or anything like that, so the police said, listen, this car is not drivable until you go ahead and you get these inspections done, and therefore we're impounding the car. So I was planning on driving around Ralph's car Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, let's say it was going to be four days and I was going to pay him $1,000 for the four-day rental of his car. Two days into it, I get pulled over. It's a $1,000 ticket and they take the car. So now that they take the car, so, and now I don't have a car for the remaining two days for Wednesday and Thursday. So what do I owe Ralph in terms of the rental? Because the agreement was $1,000 for four days. Now I don't have four days. Do I owe him $500 for the two days that I have it, that I had it? Or are we going to say that maybe I don't have to pay him anything because if I didn't get the full uh, ex- the full um, uh, amount of the rental, so maybe that nullifies, it cancels the, the entire agreement which we had at the outset, and maybe I don't have to pay him anything. So here we have a very important Gemara in Bab Mitzia, which addresses this uh, this point. It's not talking about a car, because they didn't have back then, but we'll, uh, we'll go ahead rather than talking about a Mustang, so this is going to be a donkey, but similar enough. So he said, Amr So huna, in the name of Rav, says, Hasoch esach So we'll uh, pick on Mel for this one. So I go ahead and I rent Mel's donkey to go ahead and to ride into uh, to go to Jewel and Back. Uh, actually not I'm gonna rent it because I'm going to the farmer's market to sell uh, Mel's uh, green peppers. So that's why I I rent his donkey for the purpose of traveling out of town in order to sell stuff. And halfway to Yehuppitzville, so the donkey goes ahead and has a grabber and dies. Okay, so now I'm stuck halfway to Yehuppitzville. I'm at half-day road, half-day to Yehuppitzville. So I'm at half-day road, and the donkey goes ahead and dies. And now I'm stuck on the side of the road. I'm stuck at half, on half-day road with a, a, dog, a dead donkey full of green peppers, and I can't make it to the farmer's market in time in order to be able to, uh, to sell. And I was going to pay Mel $100 for the rental of his donkey. So says Rav uh, Rababar in the name of Rav, no saying low, so I have to pay Mel half of the rental fee so, if I was renting it to him for $100, so I have to pay him $50. The lo I love Ella Tarumas. And even though I am furious at Mel, because he went ahead and he gave me this donkey, which couldn't even make it to, which barely made it to Half Day Road, and it certainly didn't make it to Yohuppetsville. So, I have Tarumas. I have the right to be upset and bear a grudge, perhaps, against Mel for giving me a uh, a, a bum of a donkey. But as far as Mamadus is concerned, since I, I used it for half of the distance I was planning on traveling, so, all I ha- so I pay him for half of the rental fee and not the full amount. So the Gemara now says, wait a minute over here. I'm struggling to understand. That's what the Gemara says. Hey, chidami. It seems to me that there's some details of this case over here, which I am missing in order to make sense out of this case. Because if it's available for rent, my, uh, sorry, if there's another donkey which I could pick up at Half Day Road and take it the rest of the way, so Tarumas, my avidate. So, why do I have the right to complain to Mel? All I need to do is call uh, Donkeys R Us and just rent a new donkey and I'll go the rest of the way. Mel may have to pay for that, but I, I, I don't have any right to complain because I could still make it to Yohopetsville in time for the uh, farmers market. Now, on the other hand, V de los and in the event that there is no other donkey to rent for the remainder of the trip, so then where do I go? So then Agra Boy Lemesavle, so why do I have to pay him? Right? I rented the, I rented his donkey in order to get to Hoppetsville and not. Now I'm stuck halfway to Hoppesville at, at half day road and I'm stuck there on the side of the road with no pla- with no with no means of transportation, so I don't have to pay him anything when i got very i got no value from uh, the rental. all it did was harm me because I'm now at half day road and I can't get home so what's the case where I have to pay half and yet I can still complain Lo says, we're talking about where there are no other donkeys to rent Umishum de. And the reason why I have to pay is because Mel is going to say to me, listen, instead of trying to travel all the way to Yehuppitzville, if you wanted to go ahead and rent my donkey to get to Half Day Road, how much would that cost you? Wouldn't you have to go ahead and pay to rent my donkey, to rent a donkey in order to get to Half Day Road? So being that you traveled a distance which has value to it, so therefore, you're we, uh, we going to have to pay for that thing, even though you didn't get to your original destination, being that you got to a destination, which, as we're going to see, is valuable to you. So you have to go ahead and you have to pay for that, uh, that benefit which you have. This is the benefit which we call of masha the, of, uh, of the benefit of the benefit, uh, the, uh, the, the value of the benefit which you received. Um, for time's sake, Let's go ahead. We're going to jump to the Ramah. This is now the Ramah in Shin Yud, Seif Base. So the Ramah says, let's have it highlighted over here. He says, That which we said, I don't know how that just happened. Uh, That which we said, that you have to go ahead, I'll have to pay Mel the cost of half of the trip. That's talking about where I could go ahead and I could set up a booth on half-day road and sell my green peppers from there. So being that I reached the location where I could actually sell my merchandise, so then it's valuable for me to have reached half-day road. Or even if I can't sell my green peppers on half-day road, but there's another donkey there which will will take me for the second leg of the trip to get me to Yehobitsville, where I'll be able to sell the green peppers. So then, in that case also, I benefited because Mel's donkey took me halfway to my destination, and I still made it to my final destination. So getting halfway to the destination is valuable because it's halfway there. But, says Rama, but in the event that neither of those are true, there's no donkeys available to take me the rest of the way to Yehobitsville, and I can't sell any of my merchandise on half-day road. So like I described at the outset, uh, I took Mel's donkey there, the, a donkey full of green peppers to be able to sell and uh, to make a lot of money. The donkey dies halfway there. There's nothing I could do. I'm now stuck on half-day road and there's nobody to buy my green peppers. So then halacha is, then I don't have to pay Mel anything for the rental because I got no benefit from, from it whatsoever. I wasn't able to sell my green peppers, and now I'm, uh, I'm halfway to Yehupitzville, but halfway to Yehupitzville is meaningless to me. It's actually harmful to me rather than beneficial. Daha, and that's the reason that the uh, the Ramah says from the tour, Daha lo because getting to half-day road where, where I'm not going to be able to do anything there, that's of no benefit to me whatsoever, and therefore I would not have to pay. And um okay, let's just read one quick line from this small over here. He says, <laughs> So the small says, What's gonna happen if if I actually reach you I'd be able to sell the green peppers for a thousand dollars? Being that I only made it to Half Day Road although I could sell the, the green peppers on Half Day Road, on Half Day Road, I only get, make $800 rather than $1,000. So what happens if I will be able to go ahead and sell those green peppers, but I'm not going to make the same profit? So do I have to pay Mel for the fact that I took his donkey to Half Day Road? So to that, the uh, SMA says, mikri So the SMA says, yes. I'm still going to have to pay for that, the journey from Skokie to Half Day Road, even though I only made $800 rather than $1,000, because I still benefited by being at Half Day Road and selling the green peppers there. If I stayed in Skokie, there'd be no customers. So being that I still made a profit, not as much of a profit, but there was still a profit to earn, so therefore I have the right to do so. And being that, assuming that, there was no reason for Mel to suspect that the animal was going to die. So he didn't purposely give me a donkey which he knew was going to die. So therefore, so therefore, I'm going to have to go ahead and pay him for the benefit that I had from his donkey getting me from Skokie to Half Day Road. And even though it's not the full amount that Ralph was planning on, uh, on, uh, on making from this, this rental, nonetheless, I would have to go ahead and I would have to pay. Uh, commensurate with the uh, the benefit which I had. And now getting it back to, swinging this back around to Ralph's car. So in Ralph's car, when I was going to go ahead and I was going, I was, the, the agreement was, I'm going to rent the car for four days for $1,000. After two days, the car gets impounded and I no longer have use of the car. So obviously I don't owe Ralph the full $1,000 because I didn't have full use of the uh, the car for the four days. So I'm not going to have to pay him for that amount how much I'm going to have to uh, to pay him. So that's going to depend on whether it was clear that I was using the car for a particular purpose. Are all four days essential for my goal to be realized? And if I only have the car for two days, it doesn't help me at all. Or do we say that, uh, that uh, there was some sort of benefit which you got from the, having the car for those two days? And uh, being that there was a benefit having it for two days, even though it wasn't the ideal amount of time of four days, but being that it was beneficial to have it for those two days, so therefore I would have to pay Ralph some amount uh, uh, which was reflective of the benefit which I had, or a two-day rental, what a two-day rental would normally uh, go for, rather than the uh, the four days. But the bottom line is, is that Ralph is going to be on the hook over here. For the uh, the ticket, and it may very well be, yeah, sorry, Al, and it may very well be that uh, he's not even going to, depending on the exact circumstances, but he may not even be able to collect the full amount of the rental in the event that the car had been uh, impounded. But as we said, in the event that the car is not impounded, so then even though I got a ticket, I still owe him the full amount of the uh, the rental, even though he may have to uh, uh, cover the uh, the cost of the ticket. Okay.